Well, it's the 12th of February, and today is the fourth of our messages um, on the subject of getting the message out. And today we're going to be looking at the nature of compassion. And if you want to look at the whole service, we're also today, Valentine's Day, supporting the Huts for Vets program. And I'm going to be interviewing Brian Porter about his experience of war and how Huts for Vets helped. A reading from the Hua Huching by Lao Tzu. A person may learn to be completely virtuous, but if he is unable to serve others, or if, if his usefulness is limited by the fact that he himself needs help, then he cannot be said to be completely virtuous. A truly virtuous person cannot be indifferent to the troubled world in which he lives and must develop skills and methods by which to help himself and others. This is illustrated by the following story. A blind man and a lame man shared the same dwelling, and one day a cinder flew out of the fireplace. Within a short time, the entire house was in flames. Each man tried separately to escape, but neither could get out of the house. Finally, the blind man said to the lame man, You have eyes, and I have legs. If you climb on my back, you can direct me to the door. In a few moments, they were safely outside. Ready? So this is the fourth of our series that we've had over the past uh, few weeks um, on what we've called really getting the message out. Um, in the last few weeks, we've looked at what... You know, I really think the two key messages are of the chapel here at the Aspen Chapel. First of all, the first message, really our willingness to receive the pain that life brings us emotionally and turn that into love. To be able to, to take what comes to us and rather than get angry and project out, to, to turn that round and, and give love in return. And what we call that is really emotional photosynthesis, that transformation of that heat into love. And secondly, the second value or message that I think that we try and communicate from here is the willingness to include. I've used this idea expressed, you know, when the guru was asked how we look after others, he replied, there are no others. And that's really that message of inclusion, that we are all of one thing. Uh, an inner message and an outer message. One, based upon our capacity as human beings to be able to transform, and the other based upon the idea that we're all connected and that the whole and the particular, the whole and the particular, have a singularity and that that singularity is held together in our minds by our willingness not to judge, not to name, and not to discriminate what Lance Tzu refers to as undiscriminating virtue, where we accept people for who they are. Last week, as a part of that, I spoke of the idea of, you know, when a man runs towards you with a knife, you know, we should still fear the madman that's coming towards us with the knife. But the issue is that the reason the madman is coming towards us is actually based upon an illusion in his own mind or her own mind. 
There is an illusion there. And the illusion that is faced with all of us is that there is not enough to go around. The illusion in life is that there is not enough to go around. And the answer to that problem of there not being enough to go around, the fact that there is enough, is really compassion and education. That's what I was saying last week. The answer to that is compassion and education. It might seem like too big an issue for us to deal with, but really the answer to ISIS, the answer to terrorism, the answer to the man running towards you with a knife, the answer to crime, is compassion and education. And at some point in the world's history, we're going to have to learn that, or the human race will not survive. The planet, as I've always said, will always survive. It has time. It has millions of years that, within which it can heal itself. But, you know, as human beings, we don't have that long. And it's appropriate to look at this Sunday, on the Sunday next to Valentine's Day, the Sunday that's supposedly, the day that's supposedly about love, I think it's appropriate to look at the nature of compassion, the nature of love. I've always thought that the essence of love is about self-giving. It's about giving of something of, of our essence. And I think it's interesting the extent to which love in today's society has become a lot about I'll scratch my back. You scratch my back if I scratch yours. You know, there's a sort of complicity. It's a sort of love's now almost a sort of quid pro quo. How much of we of what we give of love is real love and how much is part of a deal that we agree with somebody? You know, particularly with Valentine's Day, the pressure to respond with cards and roses and meals on Valentine's Day. Because it's expected. Yeah, there is a certain annoyance in the house if it's not remembered, if there's not a card. There's a deal there. I married you and you're jolly well. If I'm not going to get a Valentine's card from anybody else, you're going to give me one. The expectation that we have of the people that we love. You know, the expectations that we have of our children. The expectations we have of our family members and our partners, you know. I love you becomes almost a threat, you know, I love you, so do you love me? You know, we, there is that implication. Okay, I love you, so what are you, you going to do about it? I am prepared to meet your needs. Are you prepared to meet mine? Because that's really what love's about, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's what we, we talk around. As long as you are a child under my roof, you will behave as I expect. What I expect of my friend is, what they can expect of me is, all that is business. It's the business of love, and it has nothing to do with real love. You know, love as a trade has nothing to do with the mere kindness of love. You know, the Dalai Lama said, my religion is kindness. And that I think is a different game altogether. That, that's the essence of it. Pure kindness. That man running towards you with a knife. The point 
is not that good behaviour thinks he shouldn't be attacking you. We think, you know, this guy is not behaving well, you know, or that the law says it's wrong. The question really is, why should he be doing something so obviously dysfunctional? That's the real question. It's not about his behaviour, about making him wrong for that. It's why is he dysfunctional? If we have no compassion for him, we blame him, and we want to lock him up. That's what we want to do. We want to blame him, and we want to lock him up. If we have compassion for him, we want to know why he's in such a state. Often, we don't ask these questions enough. We don't ask them of our friends and family. We don't ask them of of communities that are in trouble, of groups of people that are in trouble. We don't ask them of countries that are in trouble. The time to ask these questions is not when the person is running towards you with a knife. It's before that. It's before the trouble starts. Compassion comes from two Latin words, com and passio, which means to feel, passio with, com, to feel with. That's what compassion is. As far as compassion goes, we are asked to feel with others. And to feel with others makes no demands on them. If I feel with David, I I make no demands on him. I just feel with him. You know, I've always thought that war eventually will go the same way as slavery. Something that is unacceptable. You know, of course, slavery still exists in various forms. And the effect of it is still felt everywhere. However, fundamentally, it's pretty much agreed upon worldwide that slavery is unacceptable. And I think the way that we treat others in conflict situations has to go the same way. It has to go that way eventually, when we become literally civilised enough for it to do that. It's when we do not feel with others that we become inured to their pain. It's when we don't feel with others that we become inured to their pain. We cut off from it and we don't recognise their pain. We therefore see their behaviour as being unacceptable and condemn them as worthy to be treated harshly, whatever form that takes. You know, when I go into the town, this chapel is always known as the Prince of Peace Chapel. And we still hold to those values in our community today. The only way you can include others is through compassion, through feeling their pain. Because when you do that, when you feel their pain, you understand what's motivating them. And you can show them how to deal with that pain and how we can help them with that, which I think is where education comes in. You know, you don't know what you don't know. You know, you you really, you know, in all situations, you don't know what you don't know. How could you? And when you do know, that's what education is about, it's a whole different game. When you do know, your eyes are open and it's a whole different game. You know, education comes, I always think it's interesting, from the Latin words, educare, which means to lead, ducare, a, out, to lead out. That's what education is. It's drawing out. So education is about drawing out 
that natural wisdom that lies within each of us. With, true, with children, you draw out their understanding, which I think is very different from teaching, which is about pointing. It's about showing. Education is drawing out. When an alcoholic experiences a true powerlessness, they have in the face of alcohol, when that powerless is experienced, then they realize that they cannot drink and their lives are changed. That change brings about a change in awareness about the way that their lives work and a change in behavior. And that put simply, that is what, that's consciousness training. Being aware and conscious of what's driving and motivating you. And compassion, compassio leads to understanding, which leads to empathy, which leads to a desire to educate. That's, that is the, the model. You know, compassion leads to understanding, which leads to empathy, which leads to a desire to make a contribution to somebody else. And that's the cycle that brings health and healing. And I suspect that's the cycle that happens in Huts for Vets trips as they take it, compassion, empathy, understanding, education, and healing. And it's true in our relationships too. It's often easier to condemn those whose behavior we disapprove of rather than have compassion for them, to feel for them. Atticus, his famous piece of advice in the, in the, in the novel To Kill a Mockingbird, he says, first of all, he said, if you can learn a simple trick, Scout, you'll get along better with a lot of kind of folks. You never really understand a person until you consider things from his point of view, until you climb into his skin and walk around in it. Until you climb, you never really understand a person until you climb into his skin and walk around in it. And that is the empathy that comes from compassion. And you can apply that to situations, to people, to communities and to countries. Now, I know it sounds ridiculous and pie in the sky, and that we can't solve the world's problems like that. But, you know, tell me another way and I'll listen to you. It is compassion that is at the center of solving these problems. Right now, all we're doing is containing situations, which is why we use force, incarceration, military might, and aggression. We're treating the symptoms rather than the causes. Much as though, you know, people talk the same way about Western medicine. You know, we treat the symptoms all of the time rather than the causes. Until we start treating the causes... I think things will never change. I said a few weeks ago that I'm not saying that one side of politics is better than another. They're they're both different sides of the same coin. And what we need is a new currency. And I'm suggesting that this is the new currency. It's a currency of compassion. It is the realization that compassion leads to understanding which leads to empathy, which leads to a desire to help. And I think it's a universal truth. And it's not about the business of love or the business of peace or the business of care. Where I care for you, 
you know, in those circumstances, is where you care for me. I'll look after you, you look after me. This is about the kindness and love of one community for another or one country for another. And it's then that we'll recognize that we're all truly one community, that we're all on the same side. Us, our state, our country, other countries. And that we have to solve each other's problems as well as our own. That's the realization you come to. Poverty and pollution in China is as much a problem for the U.S., as unemployment and wage disparity in the U.S. is a problem for China. You know, if we don't solve other people's problems, they will come and bite us eventually. And if we don't solve those problems, it will be visited us on other ways. And that's how wars happen. Compassion, understanding, empathy, and cooperation. That's what will defeat crime. That's what will lessen the tension in the world. And that's what will bring people together. The alternative is the industrialization of fear. And that's what we live with at the present moment. The industrialization of fear. Prisons are industrialized. The military is industrialized. Diplomacy is becoming industrialized. And that is all driven by fear. And fear is created by the unwillingness to cooperate, driven by a failure to understand, through a lack of empathy, created by a failure to be compassionate. So it just happens the other way around. Driven by a failure to understand through a lack of empathy, created by a failure to be compassionate. And the role of every thinking, feeling human being right now is to be compassionate. It is the beginning of everything. Let's pray. So Lord, we just pray that you open and soften the hearts of all the leaders around the world, all those people in positions of authority. We ask that our hearts be opened and made soft and compassionate. Exchange our hearts of stone for hearts of flesh. Enable us to feel with others, to be compassionate, to develop empathy and understanding and to cooperate. I pray for all those in our valley at the moment, all those working in various ways in hotels, ski patrol, on the lifts, all the visitors today, up and down. I pray for safety in those situations. I also pray for those that we uh, know are not well at the moment. Think of Patricia Hill, Barbara Orcutt, Will Welsh, Valbrick Karlberg. Think of Christian coming back on Thursday from uh, Mexico. Lord, we just especially pray for her. This may be a really healing trip for her. For Anne Hodges, Tracy Houston, for Shelley Franklin's sister, Melanie. Shelley's with her at the moment. For Matthew Greenland, had surgery last week. For Galen Gatsky and the families of Maureen Hirsch, Charlie Tripp and Don Sheely, who died recently. Lord, we ask you to bless us in your holy name. Amen.